forever. Dog. They write, they talk, and talk about what they write. Tune in tonight, tonight or whenever the time is right. It's the Writer's Panel with Ben Blacker, and it's starting now. Oh, yeah. This is how we start a podcast. Um, thrilled today to talk to some of the writers behind the new Twilight Zone. Um, say hello on the microphone, uh, starting with you, Alex. Hi. Uh, so we know what your voice sounds like. And and you've been on this podcast before. Yeah, that's right. And uh, like 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 seven years ago. A long time yeah, ago. Yeah, uh, for Kim Peel. Peel. Yeah, that's right. Um, what yeah. are some of the other things you've worked on? Where do people know um, your name? Since Kim Peel, uh, I went on a Harmon run. I worked on um, two seasons of Community and one season of Rick and Morty in between, which was uh, amazing. I've, I've sort of, I've gotten to, I've ended up getting to work with like some amazing geniuses like Jordan and Harmon and, um, and, um, and I, uh, oh, and I got to work on Big Mouth, mm-hmm. um, which was amazing. It was like one of the best rooms I've ever been in. Those people are amazing. And, uh, and I don't know. Oh, and I, uh, Jordan and I wrote Keanu and, um, oh, thanks. So um, good. and, uh, uh, that was an experience in itself. And then, um, yeah, Jordan's These a super genius. Uh, he's the best in Rest the world. Rest in peace. Um, <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, that, oh, I didn't. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, wow. You have to find out That's... this way. Oh, right. This is coming out in May, so you'll <laughs> yeah. be dead by then. <laughs> right. Okay. Right. That's right. the real Twilight Zone. I really hope not. <laughs> yeah, I hope not for so many reasons. Yeah. Uh, Heather. Hi. Nice to meet you. Hi. It's nice to meet you too. It's my first time on your podcast. Thanks for being here. Uh, so since the last time we talked, yes. literally my whole life has happened. <laughs> since uh, the last time we talked, we've just seen this room. Um. Where I, we've seen you on television, we've seen your name on television. Mm-hmm. Tell us some of the things we know you from. Uh, well, I wrote before Twilight Zone. I wrote for uh, Miracle Workers with mm-hmm. Simon Rich, who I'm also currently uh, writing a movie for Legendary for with. Oh, oh yeah, congratulations! Thank I you very to, much. So, yeah. Thank you, thank you. Uh, uh, before that, I worked on Corporate on Comedy Central, which is um, awesome. Those guys are brilliant, and I loved that experience. Uh, I wrote for Saturday Night Live. Uh, which is the um, not funny Key and Peele. <laughs> oh, man. Lord, Lord Michaels is my boss on two projects. So oh, so. I, it's, yeah, I'm very pleased. <laughs> that, that's a joke. That's a joke. So, yeah, I've uh, done a, I think, like Alex, uh, came from comedy to Twilight Zone. Yeah. Um, I thought that was interesting. And let's get into that. We're going to be joined by Glenn Morgan soon. But I want to talk about you are both comedy people. You're known for comedy. Mm-hmm. Um, outside of your connection to Jordan, what brought you into the Twilight Zone? Why were you the right writers for this project? I think that the connection to Jordan is is like uh, 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 adjacent mm-hmm. to that is or connect, re- related to that is that the Jordan of it, like the, the the mentality behind like people were so surprised by Jordan going to get out, uh, except mm-hmm. anybody who knew him. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, I think that the secret that that opens up is that a lot of there's a lot of connection between, I think, comedy and genre. I mean, for me, my original connection to Jordan was was through sci fi and horror. <laughs> he leaned more horror. I leaned more sci fi. But um, I got in my first writing job was Kim Peel because of my connection to Jordan, which was more about like gremlins than it was about like, um, you know, uh, uh, the state. Um, yeah, sure. I feel like I feel like sketch comedy and horror sci-fi, or specifically the Twilight Zone, mm-hmm. is it's the exact same needle threaded different ways. Uh, if it's the sketch version, if, if you walk around a corner and everybody is frozen in time <laughs> uh, in the Twilight Zone, it's like, oh, oh, no, what's happened? And in the comedy version, it's 
oh great what's happened <laughs> you know like it's the difference it's just the and i and i specifically think that jordan's version of the twilight zone is a mischievous line right in between those two things which is why our connection to him as writers or or people who've worked with him before um is sort of in Congress with that. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah. I'd also um, add that yeah. the that that in comedy, and, and I think the best comedy, and I don't think this is a, a an uncommon take um, on comedy, but that um, some, often the greatest comedy just has in it like mm-hmm. uh, a darkness or a mm-hmm. horror that um, that isn't um, just like a, a spice or something. It's, mm-hmm. it's yeah. you know some it's, it's not surprising that some people view it that the essence of comedy is pain. You know, so I mean, so it's it's really I feel like it's all it's like um it's like how uh, energy and matter are made out of the same thing, which is crazy. We don't talk about that enough. We got, we got fixated on the, the equation, E equals MC squared, and then we're like, oh, that's nerd language. Yeah. But what it says that the energy we and matter, which are the we only two things. I think that uh, one more point about horror and comedy and their relationship is that laughter is um, the response to anything that surprises but does not frighten you. Hmm. And horror is uh, the experience of something frightening you. But in a movie theater, everyone laughs immediately afterwards because they're reminded, oh, I'm not in danger. So I think that it's literally stimulating the exact same part of your mm-hmm. response brain. I don't yeah. Know. yeah. Well, it's the visceral element. True. There's a visceral yeah. element in, in comedy and mm-hmm. in horror that isn't in all genres. I mean, I, yeah. I sometimes sum it up for myself as fun, although that's misleading because <laughs> it, it may, might imply light fun mm-hmm. or something. But Are you saying that everything else is not fun? Um, no, but that the, that the fun in everything is the only thing I care about. <laughs> uh, please introduce yourself on the microphone. I'd rather, continue, where we'd I'd rather continue talking about comedy and horror. <laughs> we will. Uh, uh, I'm Glenn Morgan. I'm, I've been around. I'm X Files Final Destination and uh, Space Will Beyond. Great. That's it. Thank you for being here. Um, Wait, you did Final Destination? I did. I didn't know One that. Three. Mm-hmm. Uh, those are great. <laughs> I have no idea. You know, I had a meeting. This is where these guys say, it's the first movie I ever saw. It's the first <laughs> date I went on. And the, then I feel oh, really old. No, the crazy true. thing is I had a meeting at Zyde Perry when they were, and they showed me oh. the dailies from Final Destination oh. uh, back when you were making it. That, how old were you? She I was, was three. Yeah, I know. Yeah. 19, 20, somewhere in there. Uh, yeah, right, yeah. And uh, they were like, check this out. And they showed me the bus hit. Yeah. And I was like, what is this? This is great. Yeah. Jordan yeah, told me I hadn't seen it until I was working with Jordan on stuff. And he was like, oh, you got to watch Found This Nation awesome. as an example oh. of like, as an amazing horror movie. I better go see us. Yeah. Yeah, on the record. Uh, <laughs> um, each of you is responsible uh, for two episodes in this Twilight Zone series. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd like to talk about. Um, how the series was put together. Was there a room? It's an anthology series. It's not the kind of thing you necessarily need a room for, but was there and how did, how did it work? How did people take episodes? What was the pitching process like? I feel like the shortest somewhat reductive answer is that mm-hmm. it was like a, there was a whole process it was a bunch of things figuring itself out at first mm-hmm. um, by the time it got into a groove um, there there wasn't a room anymore I feel like in a way okay. um, yeah I feel like it, it found a groove right towards the end of the room mm-hmm. but that a lot of the initial phases were exploratory like oh is this a story we want to tell is that a story you want to tell and I think generally speaking it was just 
that there, there'd be a point person on those pitches, like mm-hmm. somebody who was like very passionate about that idea. And then they would generally be attached to that script moving forward. Mm-hmm. Does that mm-hmm. track to you? Yeah. But I also think like, to me, like essential to it was there was a little bit of changing garden by mm-hmm. the time, like the current people, um, uh, by that time there were already like, I feel like half of the episodes roughly figured out what they were. Yeah. And some mm-hmm. of it was assigning to people and some of it was kind of reassigning and yeah. then reshuffling. Mm-hmm. Um, um, I think uh, if there's, you know, fingers crossed season two, I think it'll be a little bit more ordered from the beginning. But um, mm-hmm. but uh, but so, yeah, so the, in a way, it's a difficult question to answer. Sure. I, I mean, <clears throat> let me ask you, let me dig down on yeah. some of the aspects of it. Heather, you had mentioned um, the tone of this Twilight Zone, mm-hmm. which is both playful and scary. Mm-hmm. Right. Um was that tone something that was talked about? It's similar, certainly, to the original series. Yeah, I I, I would say that that was um, a mandate almost to chase that energy, mm-hmm. uh, to try and always remember that. Um, and I think Jordan has said this in interviews that Black Mirror is what people would call like, oh, it's this techno Twilight Zone, but also tonally, it's just aggressively uh, almost. purposefully dark like it's supposed Mm -hmm. to make you feel like shit (laughs) and at the end you're like oh I I feel like shit this was a good episode whereas (laughs) with Twilight Zone I feel like there was always like a twirling of the mustache implied like uh oh as -hmm. opposed to uh oh like and I think that's always been something they would tell us because I also tend to go pretty dark and they'd be like maybe pull back on the you know slitting of somebody's throat (laughs) on screen or whatever but also it's the darkness of, I feel like Black Mirror is a little bit more about, I'm thinking this as I'm saying it, we, we talked about this a lot, but it's mm-hmm. like, it's almost more more about um, um, pointing out something horrible about the world and society mm-hmm. or what the world and society could be, whereas the Twilight Zone's more about, you know, humanity almost, like mm-hmm. as opposed to society, you could almost say. That like, I mean, like, what somebody said really early on that like in Black Mirror, they'd be like, well, what if there was an app that did this and it was taken to its extreme and Twilight Zone's a little bit more like, what if somebody could suddenly see the future mm-hmm. and it's not going to be like but wait so how did he get the ability to see the future right. it's like he 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 stepped into the twilight zone yeah. you know and, and it's not supposed to be about exploring a rational connection of how this could lead to sure. this it's in much. a lot of ways it's the difference between science fiction and horror right? yeah one, yeah. Is, yes. one is about yeah. big ideas one is about this more human aspect yeah somebody said early on that like and i don't know if i necessarily endorse this but i, I don't oppose it that <laughs> the twilight zone is not sci-fi i mean mm-hmm. i i would say it is sci-fi but i mean what the but what they mean by that is that it's not um sure like, what, what you said i mean that is <laughs> do you think it's like fantasy what is it Fantasy horror? What's well, it's almost? I feel like the lineage goes straight back to like fairy tales, practically. Hmm. Like, Glenn, what do you think the I think it's all that stuff. I yeah. think that like what you were saying, I, you know, from what I knew before or what I've read, you know, Serling had been in uh, the, the Pacific and saw some pretty horrible things, and um, but he still he wore that paratrooper. Hmm. bracelet which Jordan does as well and and, uh, and, yeah, I realize that. and I think that he um, after all he saw he wanted to still believe in people and so I think the Twilight Zone is if you are a good person but you took that dollar bill to pay for your kids school or food and you knew it was wrong you were going to get let off the hook 
Mm-hmm. If you took that dollar so that that kid wouldn't eat, you were you were, yeah. forget it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean it is it's it's it is fairy tale in the yeah. way it's about yeah. it, their yeah. morality plays, yeah. right? It's also true of Vonnegut in a different way. I mean, there's like an American tradition. I think it goes through Twain too. But like it's a tradition right, yeah. of like of like really sort of cynical and dark <laughs> and um, mischievous, and yet with like. A real, it's not nihilistic, you know, it's yeah. not. Um, it's humanistic. Yeah, it's humanistic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, which just seems like a good a, a place as any to ask why the Twilight Zone, why now? Uh, and Glenn, I, 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 I want to talk to you about this. Specifically, you, I think we know your name from the X-Files first and foremost. Uh, and you've worked in these sort of Twilight Zone adjacent kinds of stories um but this is the twilight zone that's something different right there's there's a legacy to it there's a lineage to it why bring this back now i i think that it can uh i think that that could have been like doctor who that it could have played the whole time Mm -hmm. and just vary depending on the times Mm -hmm. obviously there's good reason to bring it back now you know um and i um because of the rise of the radical left. <laughs> yeah. yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, no, but, you know, to no, all, all, all the Audrey and Wynn and uh, Simon and Jordan's credit, we have episodes that are right. critical yeah. of the, you know, that's like, don't think you're just, you know, that's what I, I think is a good thing about what we're doing is, uh, you know, just. You know, we have an episode about a gun and we, we worked hard to not make it. You like guns bad. You don't like guns. You know what I mean. Right. So yeah. uh, that's, and I think that's what Sterling did. Yeah. As was speaking that, of which, and in, in one thing I noticed in in some of the response, and this this is a comment that I I take to heart because I uh, some some of the backlash um, that I saw to uh, the comedian which I wrote, a lot of people being like, oh, this is like left wing propaganda, anti gun, anti gun, and I'm like, you know that that was like a failed joke that this guy is hung up on that that doesn't work and it's this character and and i mean i but i but i but i think it did bump a certain kind of person right out of the story and um and it is uh from my perspective as a writer i'm like uh, the show is not and the twilight zone isn't taking a specific stand on the second amendment um but i think to some people um that's all they could hear once they hear it because it's so charged so i mean i i don't know whether i would do that any differently necessarily but um but it does you know what one of the things that jordan always drives i think is a question of like trying to make something that almost any audience can consume without sacrificing the integrity of the content. And that thinking in those terms that you get to a place where you're like, okay, well, is there a way that, is there a way I could have, you know, written that episode so that um, like people who are really passionate about the second amendment wouldn't be upset. But, but <laughs> I mean, yes, but leave out I, that joke. you know, I never met him. Obviously he's Rod Serling was gone before you guys are born, I'm sure. Hmm. But um, you think we're so young. Yeah, I know you are. Yeah. And, uh, not. <laughs> um, but he would want you to do that. I mean, from what I read, it was never a top 10 hit. It was in the top hmm. 20. It was canceled several times. The network kind of hated it. Right. They, they canceled then brought it out back in an hour. And then that format didn't really work. And then right. when it was done, Sterling sold the rights for $25,000 because you go, that's that. And yeah. so, um, but he would want you to do that. I yeah. mean, that's why he, he did it because he was writing all that stuff, you know, um, 
He did right. want so he well he wanted to be saying things with it or, right. or yeah, right, achieving right. change. And right. he couldn't do it in a regular format, so he went to sci-fi fantasy or horror sure. or whatever. Well, that's why I say I don't know whether I would do it any differently. If I thought yeah, that I no. could, I mean, what I would most love is to get those people get that into those people's heads without upsetting them. Just, just, <laughs> just stop, re- stop reading reviews. Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about uh, the comedian for a minute. Comedian uh, yeah. Alex, you wrote it was the first one out yeah. of the gate, uh, or I guess one of the first two out of the gate. Yeah, I think technically they've named it episode one. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It's not a big deal. I don't care. <laughs> it was the third one we filmed. Yes, that's correct. Um, was this? Tell us about this episode. Was it something that you had pitched? Was it something you brought to the well, table? Well, the story um, was from the original room, okay. um, and uh, if unless I'm misremembering, Heather was the one who was like, it, "the the joke should be making the people disappear," which mm-hmm. is like the episode. And um, I, I think I was the one who was like, "Oh, and then the end, he disappears himself." Yep. Like. Spoiler alert! Um, but um, well, yes, we'll say we're who, recording this yeah. in mid-April. But it who, won't go yeah, out who would listen to this podcast? Like a writer's <laughs> so, podcast about a show that they haven't watched. We're assuming you are current yeah. listener on the show, uh, which is up through um, Heather's most recent episode, "Not All Men." But, um, so, yeah, so, so the, uh, uh, you know, it was a co- definitely collaborative effort all the way, mm-hmm. figuring out what the story was. Um, and, uh, and then, um, uh, it was a joy to get to write and great notes all along. I mean, the, the team, the team, uh, was, uh, including Glenn, you know, was, was, was just amazing to work with notes wise. And then production was a joy. I mean, it was basically just, uh, it was one of my, one of my favorite experiences ever writing something That's for television. Great. I mean, Owen, Owen Harris, had, he did that episode of yes, Black he was, Mirror. He that was, was so fantastic. great. The simulation. Mm-hmm. San Junipero. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And he oh, directed yeah. it. He was amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was just a fantastic experience. I mean, I think, honestly, second only to um, the the other episode I wrote, which That's we can't great. talk about yet because that hasn't aired. Right. Um, but they, I do want to ask some, one thing about mm-hmm. the comedian. You had the unenviable task of writing stand-up comedy, both good stand-up and bad stand-up. Right. Well, actually, I mean, uh, speak <laughs> to, to the reviews. The, the one the one comment that I've ever, that I've heard that I just have nothing but contempt for um, is people being like, the jokes weren't even funny. And I'm like, yeah, that's like watching Jaws right. and being like, the shark kept eating people. <laughs> or, like, or like Groundhog Day. It's like, you know, this movie sucks. Can you know Every morning when he wakes up, it's the same day again. Like they couldn't come up with any other days. I'm like, you idiot. I mean, no offense to people who think that, but they're stupid. Um, and um, the part of the relief of writing that episode was that you, did, I, I, I barely had to write anything funny at all because the the only comedy you see um, Samir deliver is first comedy of a person who's the main thing we need to know about him is that he's not doing that great at right. comedy. It's not that he's horrible. Um, I think probably to a general audience it might seem like he's a terrible comedian, but he's just not going to make it like he's not good enough right. to be great. Um, so he's not that funny. Um, and then there's magic. At which point, no matter what he says, as long <laughs> as he uh, names a person that he knows right. um, personally, uh, he will get guaranteed laughs. And that is true to the end from when he erases himself. So really there were only a tiny handful of like sort of mm-hmm. peripheral things I had to write. The most stressful thing was writing Dee Dee Scott's um, mm-hmm. stand up, which ended up not really even being in the episode. Um, and that's because that's something that you'd have to believe that an audience would think was hilarious without magic. <laughs> and it's sure. like, Oh God, that, <laughs> I, that was so, it was so much easier to write stuff where, um, I mean, it, the real challenge was trying to make it, make there be a sort of progress progression from it being like, even nominally funny mm-hmm. to to just being basically naming names, right. um, uh, and then we and then we in the room kind of rewrote that final um, 
bit the, mm-hmm. when, once he once the he makes climax. his decision, mm-hmm. and that was the goal. There was to try to make it more like, you know, that 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 should have been his best material kind mm-hmm. of, uh, but, but from him, not from him as a master of comedy. Um, and then the, the, uh, the laughter is sort of almost unrelated to it. Right. I mean, there, I think we're supposed to like his, um, act more, but not necessarily to the riotous laughter that he's getting, which is nothing to do right. with, you know, um, that was, a that I like, I really liked that scene and it was really fun to shoot too. It was very eerie. It was like, that was yeah. where I think we were all on set. We're like, Oh, it's the twilight zone because, um, <laughs> That's cool. just to see him like saying this heartrending personal negative stuff. And then just the audience like rolling yeah. in the aisles um there's it's, something about that that's so creepy and yeah. like um yeah Kamel was great yeah. he was so he so good we knew he was going to be good and he was better yeah um do you remember conversations in the room around that episode and sort of circling that episode it must have been one of the early ones that you all were talking about mm-hmm. one of my favorite things that alex stumbled on early was that he re- was i think you were focused on that the final set before the reveal is just screaming names mm-hmm. and i was like that's awesome it's just names is his like his big set to try and get a gig i thought that was i I really enjoyed that yeah well and i think partly because it's it's um it's about you know it's it's by that point it's sort of like who what humans it's throwing humans into a fire you Mm -hmm. know to to fuel an engine and it has almost nothing to do with comedy um i mean i to me the episode is much more about like success and um Mm -hmm. status than it is about even creativity at all let alone stand-up comedy specifically i mean i think it applies to just just about anyone in our society in theory mm-hmm. and, and jordan i think uh, was the one who who was like let's make sure that um on some level it works as like social media <laughs> which mm-hmm. we we didn't it didn't need to be explicit at all it was just like let's just have some of that resonance in there there's just yeah. a little bit of talk of followers there used to be more mm-hmm. um but the idea that i think anyone down to like a 13 year old kid in our society um has a sense of like how how am i stacking up like what's my stat like how's how am i being regarded am right. i getting the right feedback the right validation and like when i do this i get more when i do this i get less mm-hmm. and and that's um i think probably damaging to our humanity <laughs> What, life as performance? I think it's fine. Yeah. We're fine. It's going great. Have you guys seen? You were in here when we got here. I thought that was weird. <laughs> um, let's skip ahead to A Traveler. Uh, Glenn, this is your episode, or your name is on this episode. Um, was this another one that came out of the room? Oh, I went there after these guys were in the oh, room. Okay. I met Audrey and Wynn, and they gave me some... What are the outlines? or kind of ideas or something. Oh, interesting. And so, they, they said, I want to see an alien in a jail cell. <laughs> let's was, let's backtrack from there then. Was this an idea generated from the room? Was this an idea generated from them? How did it well, All three of us had different that. Like, Heather was in the room for longer than okay. I was. I kind of was in and then I left and then I came back. Okay. So I, it, I feel like it was always in the works. I didn't. Um, yeah. I mean, there were a few different permutations mm-hmm. on it. Um I'm reticent to say that it was my idea, but it, it might have been my yeah. idea. Did you come up with all of these episodes? <laughs> I, I'm currently. She came up with the original show. Great job. <laughs> That's what I thought. I'm also the gremlin on the yeah. wing. Yeah, I assume. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. me. Yeah. That's great work. Uh, Love your work. I, I don't remember exactly what. I mean, there were like, there was a version that took place in in. I I I. I the seed was there. Dam broke. Yeah, so. there was a dam that broke. There was there's a. But I feel like there was, I, I, again, I don't yeah. want to say for certain, but the, the idea in the room was 
somebody wakes up a sheriff and it's like, hey, buddy, you got to come down hmm. town. And they go and there, there's an alien there. And then I think the original pull, uh, it was an alien looking alien. Hmm. Uh, uh, yeah. And it's just like, did you put him in here? And it's no, he just showed up in there. Hmm. Uh, and that was sort of the, I think, the kernel sure. of it. Sure. Um, so you, and it was me. I did it. I did all that. <laughs> Clear. The Heather Zone. You play Jordan Peele, the narrator in yes. this, right? Yes. <laughs> That's what I thought. Yeah. I'm, um, the, I'm the bracelet. Literally. <laughs> He's like, it was created by Jim Henson, but Heather <laughs> m- manipulates him. Oh, I believe it. does his voice. Um, so, Glenn, you get this sort of jumping off point. Uh, and then how did the story start to come together for you? What were you looking to write about with this? Um, I, you know, I, these things for me is always uh, what... the. The originals, you know, as a kid, I think I learned about the horrors of greed and envy and all that Mm -hmm. from Twilight Zone way before Shakespeare. (laughs) And so you always have to go, what, what is that about? And from, uh, I always like the, the story, you know, the, that, well, Travelers, Mysterious Stranger, I think, Mark Twain and, you know, Faustian stories about this person that shows up. So, and then just kind of the way things are going in, uh, in the world today was like, I didn't, you know, it was about lying and truth. Mm-hmm. And um, just be, the the sheriff's like, just because that lie benefited her, you can't believe it. Mm-hmm. I think we're all hoping that, well, in this room, the bar situation. Mm-hmm. Does you go, oh, did he not do it? I don't believe you. Right. But if the facts were that he didn't do it. So it's about that. Interesting. And so it's just uh, working from that way to create a character that everybody liked, but then was able to tell lies and mm-hmm. like that. Without, I mean, it's, it's interesting because it's satirical without being parody, without being so on the nose. You're, you're exploring these bigger themes that are very present for us. But it still is, you know, it's a, it's just a great sci-fi story, great horror story. Thanks. Uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, Lily Amapur, who did uh, whatever the title of that. A Girl Walks Home. Oh, yeah, Midnight, yeah. and it goes on and on. Yeah. It was stunningly directed. <laughs> She's really great. And our, our DPs, uh, Matthias Herndl and uh, mm-hmm. Craig Robleski, are just you know, yeah. phenomenal and help yeah. all those directors so much. That whole crew is beautiful. The whole crew is just extraordinary. And, you know, they helped out. And um, um, Tell me about the setting of this one. I'm curious about that. Alaska? Yeah. I, I don't remember. It was probably something like, um, why, what would you need to protect and what would you need to lie about? And so putting it up in Alaska, you know, the frontier town, that's always like, you know, you have a frontier town and mysterious stranger walks into it. So where's the frontier now? That's correct. And probably came out that way. Yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Um, and then um, Heather, Six Degrees of Freedom is your first one out yes uh and i would say that's very collaborative between glenn and i uh there were a few different drafts of that and so i feel like the shape that it's in now is more not i mean it's it's a lot of glenn mm-hmm. yeah so well, which is the nature sorry, of TV, but that goes right? back to something you talked about earlier mm-hmm. is that you know you could be in the room and you go in the room and here's all these ideas and then 
there becomes a period where you have to start prepping <laughs> and you're going to Vancouver and you're like, oh, we can't do that mm-hmm. or we can do this. And so then the stories take different shapes sometimes just because you go, can't do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right, you know? What don't we have or what do we have? Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, this, I mean, this being a writer's podcast, I feel like, I feel like probably everybody always talks about this, but yeah. the, the collaboration is like, so that was like the, probably the mm-hmm. single most important lesson I learned coming to mm-hmm. Hollywood mm-hmm. was collaboration. Yeah. That was it. And um, the fact that um, there isn't, there isn't a script, even if every word of it was written by one person, that yeah. is solely by that yeah. person. Um, the, 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 it was very, very valuable to me to separate in my head credit from um, like sort of deeper credit. Yeah. <laughs> like the questions of what sure. I feel responsible for and proud of mm-hmm. and the question of what I've officially been credited mm-hmm. for. is uh, it, I've been lucky enough that it's mostly overlapped, mm-hmm. <laughs> but, um, but it's, uh, you know, it's never uh, completely uh, the whole story. You well, know? Six Degrees of Freedom to Jakob Verbruggen, a Belgian director. He was, he, he should be a writer on that too. I mean, the way mm-hmm. his approach and he's like, Oh, I'm going to watch Solaris. I'm like, no, 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 <laughs> don't, don't do that. And then I just, when I saw the, his cut, I was like, Wow. We we talked about it. We prepped it. We worked well together. We liked each other. And then when I saw that, I'm like, this is like some foreign film. (laughs) Um, Let's talk about putting that imprint on onto something like The Twilight Zone. I mean, there's a pretty incredible stable of writers who worked on this. Um, But there's also this sort of specter of Rod Serling hanging over it, who certainly had was the auteur of the original series, right? Whether his, whether he had written an episode or not. Um, I'm curious to hear from each of you, what do you bring to the Twilight Zone? Hmm. Uh, And it it may be the same thing you've brought to previous things that you've worked on. Well, speaking for myself, and I I bet this is not too different from these other, these other folks. Um, I mean, there's, there's, you know, you know, there's a, a a passion and excitement about this kind of story and about how to, you know, on the on the one side, how to follow, you know, how to basically like you know, one one thing being a writer. If you've ever been on a staff of any existing show, part of your job is to be like, can I write in this voice? Like, can right. I can I write more of this stuff that hopefully you love? Um, uh, I've never started working on a show that already existed that I didn't like. <laughs> um, uh, and, uh, luckily, um, but it's, um, but yeah, partly just to get to do more Twilight Zone. And, um, but also, um, personally, I think, um, yeah, it really just the, passion and and I guess with any kind this is a pretentious answer but I think it's true that that uh, any creative person is like kind of filtering stuff through themselves yeah. um uh and uh I use the new pronoun uh <laughs> but I guess I guess that's part of the question is like as that stuff is getting filtered through you what are you yeah. Alex imprinting on the twilight zone you know, I think I'm I think I'm having trouble answering the question because I've found a lot of uh uh uh, good has come out of me trying to take myself out. Um, a lot of good. Yes. <laughs> well, no, but the, I, I have the worst time writing and am the worst writer when I'm thinking about Alex mm-hmm. Rubin's writing. Yeah. If, if I forget about the existence of Alex Rubin's, then ironically, I think actually that's when I'm most putting the Alex Rubin's sure. into it because I'm not self-conscious about it. So, I mean, I, this totally is a shitty sense. answer to your question. I mean, my no, name, but you're it, also, he's good on set. Mm-hmm. He's like was on top of an Emmy winning director in Kamel, uh, who's a Academy Award nominated writer. And he was, and he was like, 
respectful to go this, this, and that. Where I've been around, I'm like, yeah, do what you want. <laughs> well, yeah, I guess on set, I mean, I care. I guess the strength I have uh, is that I, I care very much about getting it right, in quotes. Mm-hmm. But also, I'm aware that the word right goes in quotes, that collaboration is involved. I'm never like, I, I'd like to think that I'm never pushing for anything for me. Sure. It's always for the show. And I've been wrong, by the way. I fought tooth and nail a couple of things in the comedian that I now I'm like, thank God you guys pushed back. No kidding. Um, well, yeah, I was like, it cannot end with the Shining reference. <laughs> I like sent frantic text messages to win. Um, I was wrong. I'm really glad he stuck to his guns on it. You guys stuck your guns on it. Um, uh, the reason I would, but I think partly because I'm some, I'm sometimes motivated by fear of unnecessary embarrassment. Like, <laughs> sure. uh, you know, I don't want there to be the moments where like, I can imagine watching it and being like, Oh, that was a bad choice. Um, and it, and ultimately that is fear. And I do like to not make decisions based on fear. I think mm-hmm. that that ending was great. Um, and yeah, I, and I credit again to a uh, production designer, Michael Wiley, hmm. we've incorporated all kinds of looks from the original Twilight Zone, and that mural was there. Mm-hmm. And then Owen's like, oh, hey. Yeah, Owen Owen, yeah. That's cool. Owen really drove that one, I think, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, Heather, you are clearly a fan of this material, of the original material. Mm. Um, how do you... How do you step up and write that? How do you not write it as a fan? Arrogance. Or do you not? Well, that's why <laughs> huge <laughs> amounts of arrogance. Like really, <laughs> the size of my ego dwarfs. No, <laughs> um, I think it was just excitement. Like I, mm-hmm. I like I. I never in nobody in their right minds like oh I'm gonna I'm gonna nail Sterling like I'm gonna get this they're gonna they're gonna say well he tried to do the Twilight Zone and she nailed it uh but it was mostly like oh my gosh what an incredible set of toys to play with Mm -hmm. and it's literally every toy in the entire toy box like any kind of a thing that you want to write you can put in the Twilight Zone any period of time any type of story um, as long as you're investigating that like human condition you could put you could have a medieval Twilight Zone Mm -hmm. episode a future one like you could have one that takes place inside of a single room it's it's in a toy barrel yeah in a toy (laughs) like literally and like it's every kind of thing and so I think that uh, but when I was trying to I was like please consider me even though I have only written comedy previous to this um, it was an, an, a real um, adoration of the show and mm-hmm. like an excitement to try to play in that in that box um, but yeah no I never thought like <laughs> I was never I like, like <laughs> so let me just just to follow up um, I haven't gotten to see your episodes yet because mm. they weren't made available oh. but the listener will have seen them by yes. now um, in either of those episodes or both of those episodes what was the thing you were burning to tell? And, well, and did did it work for you? Um, so my favorite episode of the original series uh, is the one that takes place in uh, with the bunker and the uh, town is trying to get into the bunker. Mm-hmm. That's it. Uh, if you um, if you haven't seen that episode, that's the only one you need to see. <laughs> uh, and I really the guy the guy owned it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And every all his friends are like, oh hey, yeah, yeah. Um, and. Yeah, it's a guy owns a bunker. Uh, everyone kind of makes fun of him. And then there's a, a, an right. alarm that goes off and it's the, we're about to be under a nuclear attack. And then yeah, everyone fights to get into the, the ark. Yeah. Um, and 
I loved that episode because there's no magic in it. Mm-hmm. And everybody else in the room seemed to love Twilight Zone because there's magic <laughs> in it. Uh, and I was really excited to tell stories that potentially had no magic, but still took place in the Twilight Zone. And that was not like a personal agenda, but I was like, oh, you know, there's right. also a toy yeah. that has no moving parts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and, you saw how fungible this concept could be. Yeah, yeah. I um, wanted to attack that. That's cool. Uh, and so that was my passion going into the first season. And if there is a second season, I don't know that it would continue. Uh, but that was what I wanted got, to. Yeah. yeah. To exercise no, if I, you know, That's cool. I think, um, so I came in later. Mm-hmm. There's an episode. Was it always not all men? I, no, it was called something else. Originally, the title was. I think there was a point where it was the name of the town. No, because uh, I wanted the viewer to go in and not have any idea what hmm. they were about to see. Uh, and then there was a version that was just male zombies. Oh, yeah. Yeah, right, <laughs> that yeah, was yeah. the name of it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then now it's called Not All Men, which is, um, I think, a provocative title. Right, but. I think that day I hadn't even met her. And the great thing was you're doing a Twilight Zone. It was kind of dealing about me, too. Mm-hmm. I don't recall if there was a female writer on Twilight Zone. I know Ida Lupino directed a, a couple. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if there was a female writer. You know, X-Files always, we got grief for that until. And, um, <laughs> but it was like to go in to give notes on something that clearly, and just upon meeting her, had such a passion for what? They wanted to say with that episode. And like to have to, to be the <laughs> middle-aged white guy going, I, I know the answer. <laughs> so so what I, kind of notes did you give? Wait, can I just I cut in to say that we, 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 when we all chuckled at Until, it was because of the presence in the room of, I feel like just listening <laughs> yeah, to that's right, replaying it in my head. And it's like, we all had men, men writers Until, you know. <laughs> and it's like, well, that no, might, no. might try to make no, sense My wife that. is here who wrote the X-Files. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. We, we were getting... But that was a great thing. Mm-hmm. And just really recognize that Heather was here and recognizing her passion for that topic, mm-hmm. which I don't really remember. But there was some I think there was a little bit of that thing we talked about, like, what are we going to do? How are we going to make this and stuff? You go, well, you could do this. And um, I don't really remember, but I was just like felt useless because you can go here dramatically. Right. Maybe what can happen. But and I believe in your theme. Mm. But I can't tell you how to do that theme. No, you I haven't to, seen it. I haven't seen the new one actually yet either, uh, like the rest of the audience. But the idea with Tether came in in the. From the I've, I just love this episode from the very beginning. It's just such a. I'm, I'm excited about it. Well, the audience will know yes. at this point um, that hopefully the the. F- All right, the audience has seen it. Yeah, I ho- haven't seen it. <laughs> right, no, I'm more of a. Neither have I. Uh, not the not the final cut of the episode uh, that will air. Yeah. Um, I hope that the the feeling that it evokes is not all men are terrifying monsters, but rather that to be a a woman, like when I was walking up to this podcast, uh, I got a mint out of my bag and a guy came up to me and went, hey, don't eat too many of those. You never know what it'll do to you. And there, there, I want to apologize. Thank you. It was Glenn. There is a constant navigation of your physical space as a woman. That's just sort of that from a child you're always told, you know, that that's how it's going to be. And I, I didn't want to apply that dudes are are terrifying but rather that women 
have to be on guard mm -hmm. because you don't know which dudes right. might be terrifying. Um, and any dude is potentially dangerous. Yeah, and, and yeah. Um, and for me, the to be frank, the whole thing was inspired by uh, the final scene of Get Out. Mm -hmm. uh, when as an audience member, a police car shows up and you're scared, then it has transformed you in mm -hmm. that moment into understanding what it's like to to have a police car show up and that mean danger. Yeah. And the attempt in the episode was just for a second, hmm. imagine a guy coming around a corner and you don't know if it's about to be a problem. And that's it. Yeah. Uh, and hopefully I won't get... Um, I don't know. I won't, I won't have to go into hiding after the episode. <laughs> well, yeah, Alex yeah. will read the reviews. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, yeah, <laughs> yeah no, it's, so that's the best thing that sci-fi ever does, and, and arguably the best mm. thing that fiction ever does. I read somewhere that that um, there are studies that show that reading fiction promotes empathy. Yeah. Mm. And if, for a split second, you're like, really? And then you're like, oh, right, because it automatically is making your brain for a second put yourself in a different person's shoes for a second mm -hmm. even yeah. if it's a person who's just like you like even if you're just a white dude reading about another white dude but like but just just that in and of itself exercises the empathy muscle so to to at the end of get out it put uh, audi like white audiences in the perspective of like well if i were a, a a black man who had just strangled a white woman and a cop car pulled up it doesn't matter what the background of the story yeah. is i'm in fucking trouble i uh, my my silent alarm went off in my house the other day and cops showed up with guns out and i was like i got a real real good glimpse of like how of my own privilege right because i walk out of the door and i was, I, I was right. I was scared. I had I sort of had my hands up a little bit. Sure. But like when I was like, oh, it's my house. I set off the alarm. I wasn't that worried they were going to shoot me. Right. Um, and uh, that's not the case for everyone. And you know, and I also like talking. I've, I've often had. I, I was a I was a woman who realized this, not me who realized it. I was talking to a friend of mine, and she was like, "Wait a minute. When you walk into a parking garage, are you automatically <laughs> necessarily terrified?" And I'm like, "Well, sometimes I get." And I'm like, "Oh shit!" And she was like, "I just realized that when guys walk into parking garages, yeah. it's not like." Like a horror movie, yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, the, and it's worth having a story. And she also has a that episode has the same issue of like bringing up a gun mm -hmm. that you mm -hmm. go, you don't know. There's a lot of your audience members are secretly holding a grudge against women. Mm. There is, you know, mm. and there's all kinds of stuff. So how can you tell that story? Yeah, that people don't click off, and it's a hard one to tell. I was thinking about it, you know. It, those issues that Sterling was dealing with, 59, I mean, I know it was on, yeah. but uh, Kennedy was still alive. The Cold War, you know, I think, yeah. the, I don't know, we had just, I don't, we hadn't put a man in space. They wrote about space mm. all the time. There's a lot, you know, um, they had an episode where a kid died in Vietnam, but it was like before things got yeah. really heated. And so there's a lot that has really changed mm. that... You know, the Twilight Zone didn't have to deal with. And I believe, without knowing him, that Sterling would be happy that we picked those topics that are really hard. Yeah, I think so, too. And I think it's, it's you know, both telling and brilliant that, you know, you we have an outlet for this kind of storytelling. The storytelling mm -hmm. that asks questions and that can put you into someone else's shoes yeah. and all that. And that, you know, the Twilight Zone's impact goes beyond the Twilight Zone remake, right? Mm -hmm. It's the past 50 years of television and film. Yeah. Uh, and so to see it now distilled again in this way is really exciting as, as a fan of both the old and the new one. Um, let's wrap up very briefly. 
by asking you what you are watching on television these days. What's getting you excited, inspired? What are you talking about with your friends? If you're in a room right now, what is everyone talking about? Alex, let's start with you. Um, I'm re-watching with my wife, who's watching for the first time, uh, Ronald Moore's Battlestar Galactica, which is even better the second time Fine. through. The show's amazing. And, uh, and just last night, we watched the first episode of season two of Killing Eve, which I love. Um, so those are two different... As you watch Battlestar, are you listening along with the Battlestar Galacticast? <laughs> I'm, I'm, no joke. Say again. <laughs> the Battle, Battlestar Galacticast is going episode by episode. It's a uh, journalist and writer Mark oh, Bernardin wow. uh, with Trisha Helfer co-host. Oh the two God. of them co-hosting. That and then sounds they have amazing. From it. It's a great. The only, well, I think it's probably not for me though, because part of my one thing I've learned recently is that one thing I value in uh, is uh, immersion. It's like so key. <laughs> sure. Like I mean, and I think that's that probably makes that impossible. Yes. <laughs> but uh, but I like uh, being in it. <laughs> Understandable. Um, but um, yeah, no, that's it sounds well. Awesome. Then I'll just recommend it to our listeners. Yeah. <laughs> Heather, what are you watching these days? Um, I watch a lot of anime, and so I'm watching a lot of anime series that have just come out. Like uh, what? What can you recommend? Well, uh, One Punch Man uh, mm -hmm. Season 2 just started yesterday. I'm watching that. Um, I'm watching The Legend of Shield Hero. <laughs> uh, with there, uh, That's where I feel like, again... Like the Twilight Zone, anime is an infinite playground mm -hmm. of genre and uh, story. Yeah. So it's really enjoyable to watch as a writer because you're like, oh, this is the dumb version of that idea. <laughs> 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 but in a way, and, and this only occurred to me recently, the comedian is the is Death Note. It's almost Funny. the same kind of yeah. thing in a way. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's, so I've been watching that and then also Veep, which I have not seen until now and now I'm watching Veep. Uh, that's great. Glad. Dating around on Cinemax is the greatest show. No, the Netflix <laughs> is the greatest show in the history of mankind. It's like five blind dates. The same person. Your wife is horrified right now. But I'm just, <laughs> No, you know what? I don't watch uh, Silicon Valley, Barry. The documentary now is just mm. extraordinary. Mm. Um, uh, Umbrella Academy, which Craig Robleski, our cinematographer, is one of the cinematographers on that show. I like I that. So Great. Good answers. Thank you all so much cool. for being here. Um, Twilight Zone goes until when? May 30th? May 30th. All right. So listen, if you haven't watched yet, get watching. <laughs> We've spoiled everything already. <laughs> uh, and if you have been, I hope you enjoyed this. This has been a Forever Dog production. Executive produced by Brett Boehm, Joe Cilio, and Alex Ramsey. For more original podcasts, please visit foreverdogpodcasts.com and subscribe to our shows on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Keep up with the latest Forever Dog news by following us on Twitter and Instagram, at Forever Dog Team, and liking our page on Facebook.